Hi everybody, welcome to the first episode of Ruminations with a Redneck. My name is Wesley Carnley and I am your host and my first ever guest on the brand new Sure to Fail podcast is Cayman Whiskaver. Hello. Cayman is a lifelong friend of mine. We grew up together and uh, actually are distantly related. At least that's what our great our grandparents tell us. Distantly related is in, you know, everyone in the panhandle of Florida is at least, you know, six cousin or better. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we want to dive in a little bit to um, our history and experience growing up in the panhandle of Florida and talk a little bit of blue crabbing with y'all. So, Cayman, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, you're not supposed to put me on the spot. That's not right. Um, <laughs> I am a Florida native all my life. I live on a bunch of family land that goes back four or five generations, which is kind of odd in Florida since it's, you know, nobody really settled here until air conditioning was a thing. For obvious reasons, I run a pretty successful equipment rental business, and I enjoy doing silly things like going crabbing when there's a bacterial infection outbreak. It's not really an outbreak; it's just social media ruining everything, like it always does. That's that's just pretty much it. I'm not boring. Actually, I have three kids, so I don't actually do anything. Cayman isn't quite as boring as he likes you to think, at least our growing up years would tell you otherwise. But before we dive into that anymore, I'll give you a little bit of my history. Um, I grew up here in the panhandle of Florida, specifically in Santa Rosa County, where we are now. We are close to Pensacola, for those of you that will probably never listen to this that are wondering what the heck we're talking about. Um, so we move away. Lived here till I was about 12, and then my family yeah. started moving when I was 12 or 13. We moved all over the country, up to Tennessee, and then up to the Midwest for a little while, and then down to Texas for a little while, and back to, to Tennessee, and then I went to school in Alabama, and now I'm a full-time youth pastor. So, slight disclaimer before we go any farther, I am a full-time youth pastor, so... I am not. Yes, Cayman is not. Some of the topics that we'll discuss on the podcast today and otherwise we'll talk about hunting fishing life in the country life growing up in in kind of the backwoods areas we've lived um i'll discuss church i'll discuss theology with different guests at different times um, we'll talk about growing vegetables and killing our own food and all that fun stuff so cayman we want to talk first of all just a little bit about kind of our our limited understanding really though but of northwest florida and and what this place is and what it's like and what it was maybe in our parents generation and what it has kind of turned into now um my family has been in this area for about five six generations my great 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 grandfather settled in Santa Rosa County and Escambia County back in the mid-1800s before the Civil War. Um, fun fact, the town that I grew up in and the town that Cayman has spent most of his time in is called Milton, and my great-great-great-grandfather's name was Milton. 
don't think there's a connection there. There's not. But I always thought it was cool anyway. So my family is just simple, normal family. Um, we had some cattle farmers, some timber cruisers, a couple of family members worked in some local coal um, production. Um, had a great grandfather that was a school teacher and my grandfather served um, or worked with the Florida DOT for about 25, 30 years. He was self-taught um, completely through correspondence school after high school. Um, he rose up to the uh, highest level of engineer you could be in the Florida DOT without having a college degree. Um, so that's us. We grew up hunting. We grew up fishing. Correspondence school. Gardening. That's something I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. I don't think people <laughs> really do that anymore. Um, but well, they do. They, it's just called online. Yeah. It's a gimmick. Um. Yeah. Back in the 50s, that was the way to go if you couldn't afford to go to college. So, it's yellow light. I have one to run it. Now it's red. Oh, crap. All right. Breaking laws in northwest Florida. On the podcast. On the podcast. Lovely. So, hopefully no friendly highway patrolmen are out and about. May or may not have done that. (laughs) I can neither confirm nor deny. All right. For legal reasons, that was a joke. Um. So, (laughs) yeah. Both of us grew up hunting and fishing a lot. Cayman's family has land really right across from their house or in, in their backyard, really, that they have, hunted in. We have the family. My great-grandparents bought 1,500 acres back, oh, God, uh, like the 20s. So, I mean, we haven't really been here that long. We came from Coffee County, Alabama. Apparently... My, that's how we're related because that's where the Carnleys were. Too. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah, it's somewhere. It's funny. All all inbred comes from Alabama, apparently. Like, yeah, like, yeah. It even bled down in Northwest Florida. Um, <laughs> oh god, I lost my train. Oh yeah. Um, but we're lucky enough to have a like I don't know, thirteen hundred acre lease, literally right across the street from the. I think we still have about 600 acres of that original 1500 that's in the family. The rest of it has been sold off through the years. Um, I don't live on it currently. I'm trying to get back, but I, I moved into town because, you know, you don't really want to build your first house on where you can't sell it. I'm not going to lie. I still wish I lived in Texas. You know, there are times I wish we lived in Texas, too. I, I, I like Texas a lot. I did, too. I like this place better, but only because we have the beach. Right. And I've heard the beaches in Texas suck, so I didn't waste my yeah. time. So, just to give some, a little background info on, on where we grew up and where we live, um, Santa Rosa County, Florida is... It was home to my family for a long time. It's home to Cayman's family. Um, and it's a such an interesting mix of people, of places, of opportunities to be in the outdoors. Um, We have one of the prettiest um, state forests in, I would say, in the country, Um, Blackwater River State Forest. I think we have the largest contiguous longleaf pine forest or some crap like that. Yeah, longleaf pine. um, I'm not a biologist, I don't know. Longleaf pine previous to um, a lot of white European settlement in the south in the early 1800s was the um, really dominant 
dominant tree species in most of the south from Virginia all the way down here to Florida, longleaf pine and chestnuts. Um, well, along with the chestnut blight that hit in the early 20s and early 1900s and um, forced um, timber, timber companies really coming in and cutting down a lot of longleaf for the um, timber companies and the paper companies that has now been largely replaced by loblolly pine which is what you see most of the time when you drive to the south you see loblolly pine plantation because it reaches maturity at about a 35 year pace as opposed to a longleaf pine that needs at least 50 years to reach maturity so if you were wanting to plant loblo or wanting to plant pine for your cash crop um, to sell to the paper company for pulpwood, longleaf is not going to get you more than one crop in your lifetime if you're lucky. Loblolly, if you live healthily and your family plans it right, you might get a couple of crops out of on a 35-year rotation, but you would plant new stands in different areas every couple of years so you have a continual cash crop. Um, it's a great plan if the hurricanes don't show up, <laughs> but you know, we live in Northwest Florida and we have our fair share of those. Well, and we always have that generational storm. Yeah. You know, Panama yep. City just got Michael. We had, we had Ivan in 04. And honestly, yeah. it's been 15 years. Yeah, it's been 15 years since Hurricane Ivan came through here. It was a Category 4 hurricane when it made landfall oh, somewhere around um, Pensacola. So we were the lucky chosen ones to get the east side of the storm. Um, we got the majority of the wind, a ton of the rain. Um, this place looked like a war zone for years afterwards. And you know, fun story about the pines. The pines we had planted, we had only planted about maybe four or five years. Mm -hmm. We planted in 99 or 2000. Yeah. And they were just at that stage where if they bent, they just stayed bent. And so there's a lot of, I call them like chair pines. Yeah. Because they look like a chair. They, they yeah. grow up uh -huh. a, a foot or two, yeah. hook over, and then grow back up. And they're, they're absolutely worth there, you know. That being said, I I'm lucky. Probably the front 20 acres of R60 has that. Mm -hmm. The back 40 is all nice straight telephone pole pines. That's good. Y'all about we got pretty lucky. 20 more years, y'all get a good crop out of that. Yeah, it'll, it'll pay the taxes. So, all yeah. So, Northwest Florida, especially this end of the Panhandle, close to Pensacola, so we're only about a, an hour from Mobile. Um, is a really interesting mix of terrain because on the north end of the county it's mostly agriculture yes. a lot of peanuts best peanuts you'll ever find I'm not going to tell you where to go to get them because I don't want anybody coming to get them but best We're peanuts cool. in the world a um, lot of cotton which has depleted the soil because people don't know how to rotate their crops um, but a lot of agriculture and then as you move kind of really the the i-10 corridor is almost the, the dividing line yep. between the north end of the county which is very rural um very country redneck however you want to call it um to the south end of the county that really mostly in the last 30 years even in the last 20 years has become nothing but um tourists it is the beach we have the 
prettiest beaches in the world. I'm going to claim it. Nobody else can take that. <laughs> we have the prettiest white sand. It's the Emerald Coast for a reason. Um, and it's a gorgeous, gorgeous place to grow up because within an hour you can be in the middle of Blackwater State Forest hunting, fishing, doing what you want to do up there, floating down the river. Or on the other end, you can be down here in the Gulf catching snapper and grouper, crabbing like we did tonight. We're going to talk about that some more in a little bit. Um, just hanging out at the beach, getting skin cancer, getting necrotizing fasciitis, all that fun junk. Probably going to be very intimately uh, familiar <laughs> with that within the next week or two. Oh, let's hope not. Um, so it's just such an interesting mix. My parents, or my father and his father, grew up hunting this area. There's a large Air Force base that is in the county right beside us. And that we're actually driving through right Yes, now. we are currently driving through, um, and it's mostly woods. And this base has been used for years and years as um, test ranges. It's the largest um, test range in the country. Yeah. And, not mistaken. And for years it was open to hunting, and specifically to dog hunting. And if you're unfamiliar yeah. with what that is, it's when you use beagles, red bones, um, Curs, blue ticks, any kind of good hound to jump deer and run deer by your line of men you've got posted on the roads. And if you're lucky, you might actually kill one of them. The deer, not the dog. Um, they may kill more dogs than they Yeah, do. there are quite a few fatalities of dogs, too. Um, but in, by the time I came around in the early 90s, Eglin was closed to dog hunting. Yeah. And you could still do some still hunting, so you could still go set up and you could do turkey hunting. But uh, Cayman informed me on the ride down here. Go ahead, Cayman. Uh, they've they've kind of limited that. I think they've had some issues with people going, but they've always had issues with because they don't mark the zones. They just tell you don't cross road X. And I, I don't know, due, due to there being yeah. so much testing over the years, there's a lot of UXO or unexploded ordnance around Eglin. Um, so it's very likely, and we found it all the time when we were kids out here hunting, you could walk across um, shell casings and sometimes unexploded um, little bombs. I mean, just there's stuff everywhere. Yeah. Um, in fact, the place I killed my first deer in 2001 was a section of Evelyn called Jackson Guard, and it was heavily covered in UXO, and you had to just watch your step while you're out there. There's a lot of good deer out there because it was managed so well, but it was a, kind of a tricky place to be at times. Not just that, but um, a lot of people don't realize Eglin is probably the second or third busiest test area. There's yeah. a lot of sensitive stuff out there. Yeah. And if you're, you know, trailing a deer wandering around, which is what most people did because you're not allowed to have permanent stands, you're not allowed to have any plots, you're basically just stalking or hoping you sit in the right spot, a lot of people would find themselves walking up on something they're not supposed to be around and leads to a rather tenuous situation with the uh, MPs, which is never fun. No. So, I, yeah, you can still go out and ride in Eglin, but they've really limited hunting to yeah. a select few. But the hunting around here sucks, honestly. Um, there's too many people in Blackwater. Yeah. Eglin's closed. Blackwater State Forest used to also be open predominantly to um, deer hunters, or dog deer hunters. And in the 
60s, 70s, and 80s. That's what everybody did. Yeah. Um, if you hunted deer, you typically hunted with a party, um, running dogs. My family did it for years, and it was all of the cousins and uncles and what aunts. and population of deer um, in the 60s? And, and, yeah, I don't know what our deer population was back then. It couldn't have been I all know, that high. I know it's a lot lower than it is now. Because yeah. my grandparents talk about, you know, you'd drive down the road or, you know, you'd shine fields and stuff. Now, granted, their flashlights sucked and ours yeah. don't. But, you know, if you saw one or two deer, yeah. when you went shining, you were doing something. You know, nowadays, That's you shine in a field, there's 20 or 30. Yeah. And back then, and still a lot in Florida, but especially back then, you couldn't shoot does at all. Now no. they've got doe days where you've got a couple of days a year. It used to be a couple of weeks out of the year. But back then, you could not shoot does at all. So there was no deer management going on because everybody shot the first thing with horns that they saw. Yep. So you had a lot of people were driving out of the woods with cow horns and fork horns and spikes and you know, little four points. And they were proud of it because, man, it was hard to find them. It was hard to kill them. And that's what we were limited to with the way the um, Fish and Wildlife um, group in Florida ran everything. You know, they've, they've really, there's some groups on the north end of the county that have actually started aging deer. And if you want to manage a population, it's all private clubs. Yeah. But they've really started aging and being more selective about who they're letting in their clubs. So Blackwater is still here. If you kill a good six point in Blackwater, you're doing something. Yeah. But some of these clubs over in like the Shemuckla area, um, Walnut Hill, which is in Escambia County. Uh -huh. but, yeah. Um, there was a girl at the beginning of the season last year shot a deer that, if I'm not mistaken, was like 180, 190 points. Something like that on the Boone and Crockett. Yeah. I don't I don't remember exactly. I mean, it was a, for a Florida deer, this thing was just unheard of. Yeah. And uh, there was like four pulled out of that same club uh, last year. The best deer I've ever seen with my own eyes killed anywhere in this county was one that one Grandpa Jack killed at Palm Creek. No, the one my grandma killed. That yeah, was the big one. Yeah, that was the big one. That was that third, um, that was that eleven point that was like yeah. hundred and eighty pounds. Yeah. We thought it was a horse. It looked like a horse. That so, was her first ever deer. Yeah. She so, killed two deer on that same food plot ten years apart, and both of them are in the state record book. <laughs> one's an eight, one's an eleven. Oh my gosh. The only time I ever hunted that food plot, I saw a bunch of does that weighed twenty pounds. <laughs> So that's the thing about Florida deer, even on this end of the state, you know, in the Keys, you got little key deer. They're not even whitetails, and they're tiny. Then you move up into the central part of the really state. Oh, yeah, they're tender. You move up into the central part of the state, and you get, you know, more kind of regular-looking deer. But even down here, they just don't get big unless you are really devoted to managing the herd and growing a healthy population and aging your deer. You're just not going to shoot a large animal and even if you shoot something with some with a rack he's not going to weigh much well yeah i mean the i've never heard of there's some mule deer that have made it down here uh fwc released a small herd of them back oof, eight ten years ago and they were they were in blackwater and this is all scuttlebutt i've never yeah i've never I, heard of i don't know that it's real but the biggest deer I have ever seen with my own eyes was significantly larger than, I don't believe it to be to have been a white tail. Yes. It didn't have a white tail. Yeah. And that deer did not care that I was there. <laughs> and it was significantly larger than the two we were just talking about, which were like 175 and 180 pounds. Yeah. 
but it was a very large, um, Lord of Mercy, what, the horns. The, large bases. Yeah, the large, yeah. It was a very, lot of mass. Like, very mass, but it was only a six point. Yeah. And I, and, you know, for, I live, I've seen one of those. Yeah, I live up in North Alabama now, and I shot a doe last year at a friend of mine's lease over in, um, one of the western counties there in Alabama, close to the Mississippi line, and that deer weighed about 100 pounds. Most bucks that people shoot in northwest Florida weigh about 100 pounds. 100, just, 115 is a really good, yes. mature eight-point. Yes. Um, so they just unheard of in the yeah, rest of the county. So they're just they're smaller deer. Um, we've got a lot of turkey hunting up here. We've got quail yeah. still roaming around. Um, a lot of rabbits, a lot of squirrels. Um, you can fish for any kind of fish you want to catch. Catfish, crappie, brim, bass, all that fun stuff. Go down to the beach, catch all the good saltwater fish down there. Um, we have some of the best red fishing yes, anywhere. Absolutely. In the bay. And, um, the Garson Point Bridge has a, I don't know why, but there's a, there's a massive weed bed on a point. turns into a 
two-lane road up there. But when my father grew up on that, it was a dirt road. It had two tracks in it, one for each side of the car or wagon. Um, and when it got to, I don't even know what the name of that creek is down there past the Tom Thumb. It got to the creek down there past the Tom it's Thumb. Cold water. Got to Coldwater Creek down there about a mile and a half past my grandmother's house. It turned into a trail on the other side of the creek. You couldn't even get across it right there. Um, that was 50 years ago. And now this place is overrun with tourists and whole bunch of other folks who uh, want to be close to the beach and uh, it's it's a different world than what he grew up in and it's even a different world than in what Cayman and I grew up in from when we were kids um, but it's still a special place it has a lot of great memories and uh, still a good place to grow up outside and to grow up surrounded by nature and really do all the things you want to do best restaurants in the world too Oh yeah, can't beat some of the food down here. I, I've gone, I'm a rather rotund fellow, and uh, I like to try different restaurants when we go places, and I travel a relatively fair amount compared to a lot of people. And I've, I've yet to find a place with as many restaurants. I mean, you know, a restaurant in Pensacola that I would put, you know, in the lower end of the top 10 would be probably the best restaurant in town in 90% of places I've been. I mean, there's a place called Nick's Boathouse here in town, which is an alright place to eat for Pensacola, but man, it would, you put that thing in Houston, it would make money. Yeah. Yeah, it would make some silly money. Yeah. We got McGuire's, which is probably one of the greatest steakhouse it's pretty in the good. country. We've got, um, we have David's Catfish, too, and, and, <laughs> and David's isn't just limited to here. There's a couple in Mississippi. There's one in Bruton and Andalusia. Um, there's a few around. There's like three in Pensacola. Now. But David's Catfish is hands down to me. Best popcorn chicken. The sure. best popcorn, popcorn shrimp. They've got crab. They've got great home. It's just really good catfish. Great coleslaw. Which it's hard to make good coleslaw. And they make good coleslaw consistently. My favorite thing about David's is they leave um, up in Bruton. They've got Nalty's seasoning, and in every other David's, they put a little bit of Tony's on the table. Yeah. So you can season your fried stuff. Yeah. Because that's always aggravating when and you now, go to a fried, you know, place where everything's fried. Yeah. And the one in Bruton is the best one to me. That's because it's got Nalty's on. Of the all table. the ones I've eaten at, the one in Bruton is the best one. I like the one in Milton because it's only two minutes from my house. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing, you know. I, I, I'm deprived, so every time I come down here, I have to eat at David's, even if it's only once a year. Um, Man, did you hear about the stink when Bruton got a Taco Bell? People complain? No. So people were driving to Andalusia an hour away to get Taco Bell. Why? It ain't that good. It's Taco Bell. Dude, I don't know. But Bruton got a Taco <laughs> Bell, and I kid you not, they... They would they get, they would get a supply truck on Monday. They would shut down on Wednesday morning. They would sell out. That's insane. And they'd have to wait till Friday or Saturday. That's insane. And it was like that for about six months. All right, guys. I don't know why I thought we, about we, that. We but. live in small town USA down here, y'all. Um, so so tonight, so tonight it is currently twelve eleven in the morning. Which is why I'm thinking about Taco Bell. The only re- yeah, this is usually about the time we eat Taco Bell. And the only reason that we are still awake at this point is because 
well, it takes 30 minutes to get to the beach. If we were about five years younger, we would still be crabbing, but we're tired and Cayman's got three kids. So we're uh, gonna head home, but as we head home, we wanna talk about crabbing. So you may hear that and you may think, man, why, what, why are y'all talking about sexually transmitted disease so much? Um, but crabbing is a, uh, I think a bit of a lost way of, um, of hunting. It's a lost way of, of It's a gathering. lot more like hunting than it is fishing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's much more hands-on. You're not just throwing a line out and watching a bobber or throwing a line out and waiting to feel what happens. You are hands-on. You walk around in the water with a net in one hand and a flashlight in the other um, looking for blue crab um, or stone crab. In um, some cases, we found one good stone crab tonight. Um, stone crab, though, you can only keep one claw. You cannot keep the whole crab. That's very important. I want to stress that. That's very important. So we <laughs> found a good-sized stone crab and took the biggest claw, threw the rest of them back, and he said, peace out. And he will grow that other claw back. Um, and some other lucky friend may come along one day and grab another one from him. But It's he like will, in a month, too, isn't he, it? It's pretty quick. It's really quick. But he is a... a sustainable resource um, that stone crab is and they are good to eat too but we were after blue crab mostly um, so we went to our favorite spot we've been crabbing in this spot it's a very public area down here on the beach um, but we've been going there since we were kids um, and have never not had crab there I've never gotten skunked yep we've always caught some crab we caught five tonight um, we've done better we've caught 15 before we're a little under the um, tonight yeah, we, uh, we're old. Yeah, we're getting older. You know, we may only be 27, but we're getting older. Um, things aren't like they were when we were 15. So we had a good time. So crabbing, you go out with a, a good size, kind of wide brim dip net, um, very high powered flashlight. You walk along the shoreline, yeah, looking laundry in, the, bag. in a laundry That's the bag. The most important thing to put your crab in. Because if you forget the laundry bag, you may as well just go home. Yep. Because you can't put them in your pockets. I've tried that. Yeah. Hey, uh, they move around. It's an uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they so, did not go in your pockets. We uh, we went out tonight, found two right off the bat, um, male and a female. Male was having his way with the female and felt bad for her. She was in a bit of a vulnerable, vulnerable position. She was in the middle of molting out of her... Um, old shell. Actually, I think she already had molted out of her old shell. Yeah. She was a soft shell crab, and uh, she can't really defend herself when she's like that, so she just kind of had to let him do his thing. Um, but we saved her. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure she would rather him just finish and let her on her way than what I have planned for her. Uh, you mean she's not excited about a Creole flavored hot water I, I bath? I think she's going to be delicious, honestly. Like, oh, I think like, she will too. And she <laughs> honestly forget the the hot water bath. She needs a hot grease bath with some batter yeah, on. I don't need to be fried. I'm um, so crabbing it sounds simple, but man, is it hard. <laughs> we uh, we we crawled probably about a half mile down yeah. the shoreline, rocks everywhere, stubbing our toes. Cayman was barefoot, you know, trying not to die, trying not to soak ourselves, and uh, had a good time. So we're after the blue crab. Uh, I don't know much about 
couple different crab species. I just know this is one of the most prolific. You can catch blue crab all the way up the East Coast, all the way in the Gulf of Mexico. I don't believe blue crab are on the West Coast. I could be wrong. Um, that That's why California is so screwed up. That is my, my thought process. But I know out West you have king crab and Dungeness crab and um, Nopelios and all that stuff. We don't have that down here. Um, blue crab are more suited to the warmer waters of the Gulf and the, east, and the um, eastern seaboard, western Atlantic. So, but yeah, we had a good time. We're going to take these suckers home and um, came in sometime tomorrow. Probably is going to make some gumbo, maybe fry up that uh, soft shell, enjoy himself. I'm going to leave them to him. I've got to head out of town in the morning, so I won't be able to fool with them, but he should have a good time. Should. I'll probably forget about him and overcook them. Please don't. That's what I always do. Put them in last. They cook in about two minutes. I'm just going to cook the crab and eat them straight. I'm not, I'm I mean, you can do that, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to ruin them, but I'm just going to eat crab. There you go. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. My favorite way to cook crab is gumbo. Um, so you just get some celery, some onions, some potatoes, a whole lot of Creole seasoning, maybe some corn, maybe some sausage, some good Koneka sausage. Chop that up, boil it for a couple hours, and then wire it when you think you've got that good, especially in okra. Don't forget your okra. Once okra. you get that okra good and slimy, that's when you're ready. You throw that crab in and you watch it turn red in about a minute and a half, and then you're good to go. Connect uh, is what makes this county great. Got to have the Koneka sausage. You shout know, out to, to our, shout out to our unofficial sponsor, <laughs> Koneka Sausage. What most people don't realize is the cheapest place in the world to buy Koneka is probably Santa Rosa County. Probably so. Because we're the closest metropolitan area to the factory that's not in Alabama. Koneka Sausage is from Koneka County, Alabama, which is due north of us and a little east. Um... And man, is it some fine stuff. Evergreen, Alabama. Some fine stuff. Nothing happens faster than Evergreen, though. <laughs> no, I will doesn't. tell you that. If you stop <laughs> at the KFC, just prepare, be prepared <laughs> to be there for at least 45 minutes. And there's a Taco Bell and a KFC in the same building. You know, they're, they're together. It's one of those. And it's the only Taco Bell that takes more than 15 minutes to get food at. We've talked about Taco Bell more than we've talked about crabbing so far. We, have, but, we haven't talked about crabbing very, long, very much after spending four hours doing it. But... If you've never been crabbing, it's great. It's fun. You should give it a shot. Um, you want a crab usually on a incoming high tide. So as the you after low tide, so low tide tonight was at nine o'clock. High tide is tomorrow morning at nine. Um, we probably, if we were younger and felt like it, we could have uh, stuck it out longer and probably caught a few more. But um, honestly, if we'd had shoes on, we'd have gone to Pensacola. Yeah. I bet we'd have caught fifteen or twenty. In- little speed bay we might have um there's always crabbing but you want to catch them as the tide's coming in because they're coming in to feed um if you don't live in florida you can get you an out-of-state um three-day saltwater fishing license for 17 bucks which is an absolute steal um you can crab for three nights or i haven't figured out how they get off charging you with fishing for crabbing I mean, it's technically a saltwater species. I don't know. Technically, it's primitive. I mean, you don't have to get a license if you get if you 
using a cane pole. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, a cane pole is more sophisticated than a net. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's easy to do. It's cheap to do. I'd argue with the game wardens on that it one. It is a ton of fun. You'll lose. Give it a shot. Just talk about the first time I ever went crabbing. See, yeah. Uh, first time came and I went was crabbing. so pissed. Came so, wait, wait. Yeah, I got to yeah, do this yeah. one. So, Wesley and his dad have a very particular system about how to catch crab. So one of them, so crab are generally under a rock or in like a little hole. So one of them will work around to one side of the crab and set their net down very strategically. And the other one will use their net to prod the crab so that it moves towards the other and then they'll just scoop it up. When I went crabbing the first time I was 16 years old and <laughs> I am not a patient person. So instead of waiting for one of them to come, I would just scoop its core. Just snatch the crab and call it a day. And Mr. Keith got so mad at me. It was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. Because I think I only let, like, what, one go? Yeah. I think I missed one. And he was like, you know what? If it works, it just it just works. I mean, yeah. it just, you know, you're fine. Do it your way. Yeah. It, my earliest memories are crabbing with my dad. We would go out to um, Fort Pickens and Pensacola Beach, Navarre Beach, and the dad would drag me around for hours. And when I was a kid, I didn't really appreciate it. I just thought, man, why can't I be in bed right now? But the older I've gotten, the more I've realized it's a, it's a gift um, and a privilege to get to spend time outside like that. And the older my dad gets, the more I treasure the times he and I get to do this together, too. It's been a while, but... Um, all right. I think that's what we've got for the first podcast, Ruminations of a Redneck. You know what I think we need to do? Um, what's that? I think we need to just store this one and never share it with anyone. Probably so. And then try again. Probably so. All right. Peace out, Girl Scouts.